welcome to episode 85 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I'm Mark Morrell, unaware of where I am or what I am doing. So I will be corrected today many times, I assume, by... Jane Jezrawi, the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And um, yeah, I will be. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Seems that I need to be reminded of a lot of things. Well, Yeah, you're just becoming this doddering old fool that, you know, you get a microphone in front of you and then all of a sudden you just lose all sense of everything. In my defense, I did a webinar earlier this week and I did do a recording of a Best Feeds podcast a week ago. So I'm doing a lot of these things uh, now and putting it all together in the midst of many other things that I'm trying to get sorted out. So true. And it's Friday, Friday morning. So yeah, none of those really are excuses, but I'm going to claim them for what good they might do me. Okay. So what are we going to talk about here? Well, uh, since our last episode of the podcast, the biggest thing, of course, has been the grand reveal of this year's Best Fleets to Drive For. There you go. But uh, yes, we had a uh, big announcement uh, at the end of January. And when we were recording this last time, we were just about to do the announcement. So we couldn't really say much, but we knew there was going to be some some happy people. There was going to be some surprises. Yeah, we have two more inductees into the Hall of Fame. And all of the Hall of Fame, the existing Hall of Fame, was able to requalify in return. Uh, that's just to let you know that there is a possibility that even though you're in the Hall of Fame, you may not stay in the Hall of Fame because you have to requalify. Basically, you have to be in that top, in that top number. It's going to be more than 20 now, but you still have to be in that top. Like right now, it's what, 32 or something? Uh, well, it's 30. There's 10 Hall of Fame plus top 20. So they all, uh, so we had two new ones, Garner Trucking and Transpro Freight Systems. Also, Transpro Freight Systems is on their 10th year. Yep. 10th year in the program, uh, consecutive years. And Garner was an overall winner last year, and they've been in the program for seven years, and that bumps them into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So then we have our top 20, and we have some newbies in there, which is really exciting. couple that are completely new, mm-hmm. which I, I always find really interesting. Yeah, we have PGT Trucking. Yeah, three of them, actually. CAT. And Nick Strimbu. Yes. And I have to say, well, all three of those have kind of the same thing where they'd been in the program before, um, but hadn't been a top 20, hadn't even been a fleet to watch and have sort of jumped into, yeah, into that. And it was clear through the interviews and through the scoring as well that, uh, and we've talked about this before, that as you're going through the scoring of questions, even though you look at it question by question, by the time you get to, you know, the fourth or fifth or sixth question that you're scoring, you start to notice people that are jumping out that are surprising you that you weren't expecting. Yes. I mean, the Hall of Fame and the repeat best fleets, we kind of we have a bit of a sense of what they're all about. We kind of expect certain things from them. But when there's people that you don't really know that well, and maybe you didn't interview them, or in past years they you know, had a certain kind of level of performance, then all of a sudden you're like, wow, they have really stepped it up this year on this question. And oh, on this question too. And then when we get to a point where there's a few of us that are saying, hey, I'm noticing that these guys are really doing well, then it's always fun. I mean, that's uh, enjoyable for us. And it's nice to see, but it's very cool that when these people put that effort in, and all three of those companies very definitely did, they had a concerted effort to change some of the things that they're doing, to look at their offerings, to evaluate 
and make a bunch of changes. And they did. And it's really fun when you can see that. And it's always nice when it actually turns into something. Like we do the scoring and we can see that they're doing fairly well on programs, but we don't know what their satisfaction levels are going to be. We don't know how their results with their turnover and safety is going to end up looking like. So it's only at the very end when you put all of those elements together that you see it. And it's uh, it's kind of cool when you see people that sort of have all of those pieces come together. And I guess it's, it makes me feel good because it's it gives us some, um, not verification, what's the word for that? Validation. Validation, that's where it, it starts with V. I knew that it started with V. That Best Fleets actually is a good recipe to follow if you want to create a better workplace. You know, your satisfaction levels go up. You are, you know, you can talk about your company much better than you used to when you start thinking about the messages that you send as a company and how you relate to all of the employees in your organization, not just the drivers. What we find is that when people start rising to the top is because they've taken a holistic approach to how they want their company culture to be. And they want to, one, find out what people currently think, and then two, figure out multiple plans. Like it's one big plan, but there's usually multiple things that they're doing within that plan to try and address concerns or make something better. I remember, so CAT did that this year. Challenger did it a few years ago, and uh, that really strengthened what they did. Nick Strimbu definitely did that. I didn't interview them, so... I don't know if I interviewed them, but I remember them saying... They emailed me at the beginning of the program and said they're eager to do their interview because they've made a lot of changes. They got their report last year and they and they got uh, a lot of good insights from it. And they uh, were really interested in seeing how it sort of played out this time. So it worked for them. Yeah. And what was really funny because I did interview CAT was that I was like, OK, well, I'm going to make you're going to be a fleet to watch for sure. I remember you saying that after that interview that, oh, they're my pick for a fleet to watch. Yeah. And yeah, this is the second time where I've been thinking, okay, you're going to be a fleet to watch. And then they get into the top 20 anyway. I think it's the second time. It may be, it may be more, but Wellington Mm -hmm. group of companies, that was another one that kind of just swooped into the, and it was the same thing because the um, Mike Zellick from Wellington, who is, I think he is the VP of HR now, because when he started doing best fleets at Wellington. He was not, he was like, I think he was just a director or manager or something like that. And so he's definitely risen in the ranks. He had been at a different company who had gone through the process. And so he was, he knew about best fleets, but when he did the interview, I remember because I interviewed him, he was like, he had researched Bestly, he's been doing a lot of thinking about it and he knew the things that would be helpful to not only create a better culture, but also to do well on the best fleets. Like he basically listened to the things that we said to do and did them. Mm-hmm. And he's been on, they, they've been on the list for, I don't know, four years, four maybe? Four years now, I think. Yeah. So it's always, and other companies have done that and have done really well in the best fleets, um, like throughout the last 15 years, I think. Hmm. So I think um, one of the overall winners really early on, I can't remember, it was Trent's company. Paramount Freight Systems. Paramount Freight Systems, I believe they did that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So they look at, they look at what we, you know, how we do the questions and how we, how we do the scoring. They look at that and they go, okay, well, this is, we can, we can use this, we can do this, we can do this. And then when they come back, they basically have a better story. Yeah. 
Well, it's cool. I always do enjoy that. And that part of it, in in some ways, the machine runs on its own with the scoring. You know, we follow that process to score all of these different questions. And then after that, it all kind of, it feeds itself uh, because there's formulas for calculating different things. But another part of it that isn't so automated, uh, that is just as much fun, is the fleets to watch. Yeah. Because those are the sort of discretionary people that we can pick and say, yeah, these are the ones that really stood out for us. And I suppose we are picking them, but I don't want to say that like I picked them because they're nice to me or something like that. Like there's there's a connotation sometimes when you're picking that it's a like a favorites or a, you're just giving it to your buddies or something like that, that there's some sort of um, softer reason for it. But there are always very specific reasons why we pick them mm-hmm. or why they get why they get identified as fleets to watch. I'll use the passive language there. Well, I know we I, we pick them. I think you know we don't pick the top twenty. We don't pick the Hall of Fame. They pick themselves, and the fleets to watch are our chance to actually say, "I think you're going to do well soon." Actually, I'm going to come back to what you just said there. They pick themselves, and I think the fleets to watch in a lot of cases do that too. So we have a pretty straightforward criteria for that, which is that we're not automatically going to give it to the... The next runners up. Yeah. It's not necessarily that. And and it's not going to be somebody who was a fleet to watch last year. So you chop those out and then you look at who is really doing well in a particular area who you can see has got the pieces, but just isn't there yet. Mm -hmm. And it might be that they've got great ideas for part of the programs, but not all, or they've got great ideas and they're working through the results and satisfaction side of it because, you know, you have these great ideas, but you've got to get drivers on side and get them um, satisfied with that stuff and get to the point where you're seeing results. And so they may just not be there yet. We know it's coming, but we, we just don't see it yet. That typically is what we identify as a fleet to watch. We'll pick that and say, yeah, these guys really surprised us or they're doing something that's very creative that not many people are doing. And that stands out to us and that ends up making somebody a fleet to watch. But also there is the whole experience that we have with them because the interviewers are generally the people who pick fleets to watch. So I had a couple, um, I was going to pick CAT. I don't remember who I picked instead. I think I was rooting for Skelton was one of the ones that mm-hmm. I was um, thinking. I may have only done one, but there was, you know, we had like five or six interviewers and we all sort of discussed it. But it's also the experience that you have when you're talking to them. I mean, are they, and this comes to the whole, you know, how people treat us is probably better than how they're going to treat their drivers. So we use that as a as a bit of a gauge. It, it really doesn't come into the scoring, but it does come into a little bit into the whole choosing the fleets to watch. Because if people have been difficult to schedule, if they cancel interviews multiple times, if they... If they treat us like their secretaries yeah. and expect us to do all their admin work for them, then it, it's really hard to make the argument that they're going to treat their drivers better than that. Mm -hmm. If they forget to give us information that they didn't give us and then we were, you know, then we said, no, we need this information and they never get got back to us even after we reminded them like that kind of thing. I'm not going to be so eager to say, hey, yeah, you're a fleet to watch because you got it all together. It's going to be like, yeah, 
I don't think so. It wasn't a super, it was okay, but you know, there's only five spots. And, and, and I mean, really, we kind of had this, the fleets to watch where I don't know why, do you remember why we even started it? I think it was because there were people that we wanted to encourage. Yeah. It was when we started to get a lot of finalists who were doing good things. And we saw early on that there were people that were on that top 20 year after year. And so they were starting to be sort of consistent, but there was other people that just were below it. And in the early days, it might be that the difference between spot 20 and 21 was half a percent in total score. And it just didn't feel right to not do something for those people that just missed the cut. So we started the fleets to watch that way and it very quickly became, okay, there are some people that are doing some things here and they didn't quite make it, but we can see that they're going to, we can see that the pieces are coming together there. Yeah. So we want to recognize that and sort of highlight that to give them a bit of encouragement that we see what you're doing. Yeah. Come back, come back, come and try this again because you're probably going to do well. You're not there yet, but we can see that you're going to get there. So please keep doing what you're doing. And what's interesting is that the top 20 in the Hall of Fame, there's tons of fleets to watch in there. Yep. There's tons of them. I mean, I like you just go through the list. Was ACT a fleet to watch? Like that's num- that's A on the... I think they were at one point. It might have been. Uh, I know TransPro. I know Challenger. I know Prime. Herb. Um, I think Bison might have been a fleet to watch one year. Really? Herb. I think Bison, maybe. It might be that they've always either won it or not. Or not won it. And it's just a... Yeah. And we probably wouldn't have made Bison a fleet to watch because... Everybody's already watching them. It's not really news. Yeah. So it's, it's right. Yeah. We wouldn't do that. But yeah, there's a lot of them that have been fleets to watch for sure. Who else is on there now? I think K&J was a fleet to watch. Um, Leonard's Express was a fleet to watch. Well, and we've had sort of, yeah, fleets to watch top 20 sort of in the past quite a few, like Epps was a fleet to watch Mm -hmm. and a top 20. Crete is a fleet to watch this year. We're not going to do it two years in a row, but we may, like if there's enough space that goes by, we will, you know, do it again. I can't remember, but it like in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's a few, not a ton. Yeah, the Hall of Fame, I think we weren't doing the fleets to watch so much when like, because a lot of the Hall of Fame have been around for eight to 10 years. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what we were doing that back then. But it is generally a good indicator that somebody is likely to make that top 20. Yes. And it was what I think is also interesting is that when we first started the fleets to watch, people didn't pay any attention to it. No. It was like, yeah, you're a fleet to watch. And like nobody was like nobody was interested. It was just like, oh, you make it or you know, and fleet to watch is, yeah, whatever. I don't care because we had a logo and the people didn't didn't care. And I was like, okay, well, oh, that's too bad. But then I guess, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, people started saying, hey, I want that logo. The first one I remember was Larway Transport. That would have been about six years ago, six or seven years ago. Yeah. They asked for the logo and... So we made one. Yeah. And they put it on a banner at a trade show and like, come see us, we're a fleet to watch. And then a few others started doing the same thing. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you celebrate the fact that you are, it's still only five spots and there Mm -hmm. are, you know, 100, was 165? Nominees. There was 95 finalists. Yeah. So out of that, you're getting, you know, you're getting recognized. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not easy for sure. It's not easy. 
So we had the big announcement. We did. Uh, which was, of course, the mountain of work uh, that it is all the time. And Facebook was was messing us around. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't post things. So we'd post them, and then, but it wouldn't show up, which was really fun. Yeah, we have a lot of posts that have to go out at very specific times on announcement day, and Facebook was not our friend. Nope. It would put a post up, but some people wouldn't see it, or you could only see it if you weren't logged into Facebook or something like that. It would show up and then disappear. Yeah. I think that happened. That happened with one of the hints. Yeah. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, thanks, Facebook. Ah, you know what? We've had system issues. They have system, like everybody has system issues. It just happened to be at a really bad time. Yeah, but they have sucked up all of the development talent in North America. True. You know? We have system issues because it's harder for us to hire technical people because Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft are sucking up all of the talent. So they should be able to deliver a stable product. Yeah, Microsoft and Apple and Google and... Apple, I don't have problems with. Their stuff works. But it's Facebook and Twitter that have been... Uh, we're sucking up all of the talent. and I'm going to say that it, from the state of my Mac right now and sometimes my phone... Yeah, but that's you. That's your ability to wreck any tech somehow. Your whatever electrical charge you give off from your fingers that breaks technology. No, my, I think my, it's my, I want to actually use the stuff that I install on my system. And sometimes I want to use it together. Well, your machine is also like five or six years old. Yeah, I know. But it's, it's ancient and Jane time. It's been used very heavily. I use all my computers very, very heavily because it's really hard because I'm trying to do technical stuff, documentation stuff and graphic stuff all at the same time. Most of the time, multiple browsers also having, you know, Oh, I also have audio programs going every once in a while. And sometimes I'm I'm at the point where I'm like, wow, I have 15 applications open. I should probably close one. Yeah. But sometimes I'm using them all. Yep. Well, we will get your new machine going soon. Yes, the machine that's in the closet right now. We have now. a beautiful new machine. I haven't had time. Yes. We have a we have a thing in three weeks. Yes. But I will take this opportunity to just mention one thing about your new machine, which looks beautiful. It's still wrapped up in the box because anybody who's bought an Apple product knows this, that the unboxing is its own event. Yes. You can't just rip it apart. You've got to go through the process of unboxing it and look at the origami that is the way they package all of these things. Even the packing box that it got shipped in, the shipping box was actually beautifully done. And I didn't really pay attention to it because normally it's you're just kind of trying to rip the box part, but it had a really nice opening lip thing and it was all cardboard and it was just really, really nicely done. And the last thing I will say on this, because it doesn't really, well, I suppose it applies to everybody, but nobody else will be able to relate to it the way you and I can. Once again. Okay, everybody else just, you know, talk amongst yourselves while yes. we talk to each other. Well, once again, this new machine proves that Agabeg's Law holds. <laughs> so Agabeg's Law was something that we coined in the late 90s with um, somebody that we worked with, Ed Agabeg, who's now sadly no longer with us. Uh, he worked with us at a tech company and he observed in sort of the mid 90s, about 96, he said, the Mac you want is always $4,000. And back Back then we were young and poor and, you know, that was way out of reach. So, yeah. you, you know, the Mac you got was 2500 but the Mac you want is $4,000. And 
So we jokingly coined it as Agabeg's Law, kind of like Moore's Law in technology. And what's amazing is it has held ever since. So for 25 or more years, it has been the case that the Mac you want is always $4,000. $4,000 is different now than it was then, but it's still the case. Yes, I think the Mac I got was $4,000. was grand because I looked at that and I was like, damn, Ed, your legacy (laughs) lives on. So... In terms of other changes and things that are happening, we have some uh, some announcements and uh, through our, well, not so much management through podcasts because the staff know about this, but sort of this is publicity through podcast. Yes, I guess this is instead of doing a LinkedIn announcement, but uh, I have, you may have heard the name Tiffany Kansian in this podcast or after talking to me or dealing with me with a content project or some sort of content related issue. But Tiffany is now our director of content services. We promoted her. And so now she is officially doing that job. Yes. Heading up the content group. And I am not after 15 years or so, maybe longer. I am not directly responsible for courses. Yeah, what we kind of recognize is Tiffany was doing more and more of the job anyway, which I think we were sort of pushing Don't her. Don't say that. Well. No, we had talked, Tiff and I had talked about it. So it was a plan. It was a plan thing. It was but a plan thing. I wasn't just giving her work. Very shortly after she started, we were like, oh. I know. I was like, hey, there's someone else who actually might be able to do this job. She gets it. She's competent. Yep. And She wanted to actually do the job. She didn't want to become a manager three months in. (laughs) Curse her. But uh, yes, we have finally convinced her to take that job. No, well, she was doing more and more of it to get a sense of what it was. So she was taking over a lot of the translation and putting stuff together and doing some proofreading or editing of other people's storyboards for a long time. Because that's a that's a thing just by itself. That whole editing process is just an. uh, Yeah, it's a challenge. Well, you also, you know, don't forget, and we've said that I've said this before, there's like 200 page documents sometimes. And sometimes you're talking about Canadian and American regs at the same time. Sometimes, you know, you're talking about something that you really don't know what this means and you have to go do your own research. Like that happens a lot when you're editing. Someone says something and you're like, really? Is that really a thing? And you go off and you do your own research, takes you down the rabbit hole. And um, yeah. So she's uh, she's had a lot of practice with that. And I'm still I mean, obviously, I'm still around and I'm actually working on an hours of service for Alberta course because it's in my head. Because there's no time when you're not working on an hours of service course. I know. I know. And you know what? I we just finished some updates to the hours of service cross border and Canada courses because there's some ELD details. The Tesco, I mean, if you we didn't do a whole new release of the course, we just updated some of the pages so that they're accurate from now uh, or they're more accurate. But the tests don't change. It doesn't really. It basically just makes the product a little a little better. And TIFF was responsible for that. So she is has had the whole hours of service experience. And now Carly has had the whole hours of service experience because she's been updating all the pages. We've had to get the translations done. And because it's a Frankenstein course, which means that we update specific paragraphs and then we have to get specific paragraphs translated and then audio recorded and then we have to edit the audio into the, the existing audio and it's in French and 
So Carly has been subjected to the hours of service experience as well and did really well. So I know that she's going to edit this. So here you pat yourself on the back, Carly, when you hear this. Tiff is probably too busy. Oh, she's in Mexico right now. Yeah. So I doubt she's going to listen to the podcast. She's uh, that's okay. She gets a well-deserved break. And we're going to have a mountain of work waiting for her when she returns. So she won't have time to listen to this. There are many messages that are copied to Tiffany. Yeah. So. So this is our opportunity to talk about her. I know. I know. And she won't even listen to the... Well, now I know Carly's going to tell her that we took her name in vain quite a bit during the podcast. So... But it's good. It's exciting. Uh, It's great when you have somebody that you can trust to take that and sort of put the care into it that you're putting into it. And even if they end up taking a bit of a different path with that department, we still can trust that care is being taken. And that's always what we're after. And we also have a new team lead for the group because Tiffany was my team lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Rick mm-hmm. Dukowski. Yes. And he is, um, well, Tiffany went on vacation pretty much that day. So <laughs> he's been uh, doing some, he's been doing some team leady stuff. Mostly he's gotten stuck with taking minutes. Yeah. Yeah, he's thrown into the fire too. Yeah, well, that's what you get. Yeah. That's what you get when you come here. Good to see uh, Good to see development happening on that content team. It's great. Mm-hmm. And see you having a little bit more time for some things. Yes. And that's Rick's punishment for having all these ideas that require development. Yeah. So he's, uh, which is good. He shouldn't stop. Now, I also have to say he's been doing a nice job helping me out with the big website redesign. Oh, with the five tips? Uh, yeah. So I've probably mentioned this before because this stupid project has been ongoing for three months now, uh, but a giant overhaul. Well, it's not even really an overhaul. It's a complete rebuild. Ugh, and I hate to say it, but it's a reimagining of our website. I will spank myself for that. But <laughs> it was the appropriate use because we we're taking it right down to bare bones. Oh yeah. We're just ripping it apart. Yeah. Starting from a blank slate. Yeah. And it's nearly finished. Well, no, that's not true. My part of it, the site map, the content, the actual copy is nearly finished. And the creative team have been doing some fantastic work there, some great ideas. Uh, I think it's going to be nice when it comes together, but it is a lot of content. So Rick has been helping out with that, writing five tip stories based on different courses. Uh, We've got some customer uh, success stories uh, that I've also given him sort of rough notes to to write up. Oh. Yeah. And a few other pieces as well. So we'll have a lot more documentation. We'll have a lot more support information and sort of ideas on how to use the service, you know, how to make it work for different size companies and the things that people are doing with it that are working out very well. So a lot of different pieces on there. And when we first started looking at this, which was before Christmas, like the big thing for me was, oh my God, how am I going to write all of this? Because I could see what it needed to look like, but I'm thinking there's just so much that needs to be written. So you start chipping away at it. And Mm -hmm. finally, last night, I got the last big section of content finished. Nice. Yeah, I think. I'm waiting to find a gap. So I need to see it actually built. Yeah. And then as you go through it, you'll realize that there's some glaring omission. Uh, but it's uh, it's getting closer. Nice. Yeah. Nobody really cares that much beyond me, but that's been eating up a ton of my time. Well, it's kind of eating up some of my time too, because I'm 
in charge of the creative team as well. And so I've been trying to figure out what I want this thing to look like or mm-hmm. or interpret what you want it to look like and figure out how to do that. So Berenice, who is uh, my creative team lead, who it, you know does a lot of really, really nice work, has done some, some good stuff and she's wrangling uh, our other creative or marketing designers. And uh, I think we've got a good basis for how we want things to go. Wrangling is a good word for it because when there's five of us that are on these uh, calls, the two uh, marketing graphic designers and Berenice and you and I, all of us are creatives and we all have ideas all the time. So so there's a lot of uh, coordination and sifting through and getting it sort of back on track that needs to happen. It's funny because, and people are drawing while, like people are designing while we're in the meeting as well. So I talk to them later and, and they'll tell me, oh, I was drawing this while we were talking. And there's a lot of that that happens when you deal with people who are creative where they can't, they can't deal with words very well. They have to like take the words that they hear and put it on paper or on a canvas of some whatever. Like sometimes they do it electronically, sometimes they do it on paper. But almost all of the really good creative people that I work with are thinking in terms of how like they're interpreting and drawing at the same time somehow mm-hmm. or making something. And that's... um. That's that has been happening a lot. Like I do it. I know. Well, I know we all do it. It's it's the only way that you can start getting a sense of, you know, where you want to even go. It's tough when we have a blank slate and you want to do something new. And there's we have a lot of rules that we make everybody follow. And one of the rules was that uh, it's funny because it's we're breaking this rule, which was a no trucks on the website. Yeah. No trucks in our marketing. Yeah, no trucks. And yet we're going to we are going to have trucks for a very specific purpose. Yes. Yes. Well, and this came up when we were doing ads, you know, nine months ago, whatever it was last summer. And we had talked about that sort of no trucks thing, but the ads were highlighting different courses and the courses are about trucks. So you got to have a picture of, of, you know, how do you have an image showing an inspection course and no picture of a truck that you need to inspect? or like flatbed cargo securement or auto hauler or any of that? How do you have those courses and not have a picture of the item that is the subject of it? So the original, the origin of this rule was early on when we were first coming into the industry. And we saw that, and and if you look at ads and things like that, it doesn't matter what they're for. There is a picture of a truck. Yeah. It could be an ad for, I don't know. It could be a dispatch system. It could be an oil additive. It could be... I don't know, like some people service or something to do with, you know, it has nothing to do with the truck. It has to do with the drivers and yeah. the people, but yet they put a picture of yeah, a truck. Yeah, it could be somebody selling safety vests and they have a picture of a truck. Yes, no safety vests no. in the picture, just a picture of a truck. Because I guess the trucking industry needs to be reminded that... They operate trucks. Yes. So we decided, and the other thing is, is that trucks are very particular, you know, there's a lot of stock photography of trucks and they're always box trucks. They're always white, you know, it's all very, or blue and they're all very boring and recognizable. 
And when we first... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking there's one stock photo of a truck that everybody was using because in the early days, there was only one library of yes. stock photography for trucks. And we and it had it. Well, and everybody else bought it too and then shared it and there's like maybe 20 pictures in it. But one of them is kind of, and I'll describe the picture and you'll recognize it. The camera is kind of on the ground looking up at the truck that's coming to you and past you and it's kind of got like a motion blur. So the truck is moving very quickly <laughs> and the truck is bluish or the tractor is bluish, it is very clearly a Werner truck. Uh, they've removed the logo, but it's very clearly a Werner truck because the rest of the uh, the cab, um, the way it's, or yeah, the way the tractor is painted, it's obviously Werner and they just removed the name. Yep. So every time I see this, I'm thinking, why is this Werner truck in this ad for some insurance company? Because I know that insurance company doesn't insure Werner, <laughs> you know? So these are the things that come up when everybody uses the same stock photography and the same pictures of trucks. It becomes very cliche. Well, the, the stock photography that's being used now, there's a bunch of pictures of there's a, a man and a woman that are being used uh, a lot. Um, man, I think has a clipboard and like a, a baseball, some kind of hat. And the woman is wearing a, a vest and she's got long, dark hair. Oh, and yeah. so I see the long hair, dark, dark haired there's woman. There's also the blonde, curly haired woman with long curly hairs who's wearing a red um, oh, yes, vest. Oh, yes. Yes. The blonde. Yeah. Those two pictures are everywhere. So just just in you know, just so you know, I recognize all of the stock photography that everybody is using to hire drivers. I'm like, oh, stock, stock, stock. Mm -hmm. And I know I did talk to somebody at a trucking company about that. And they were saying, well, if the driver leaves, then it's a pain because then you have to get you know, you have to redo the picture and blah, blah, blah. But I still think it's worth the effort to try and get pictures of real people in your ads. Because if I'm recognizing stock photography, somebody else is. Well, the other side of it, going back to why we say no trucks, is that if you have a person in there and your service or your marketing is actually targeted at a people, it at least works. Right. right? But you, you have something that has nothing to do with a truck and then you slap a picture of a truck in. But and I think slap is the best word yeah. to talk about it is because it's a it's like, oh. I'll put a truck in. Yeah. And every, like, so you have this entire group of people going, oh, I'll put a truck in and that'll be good. Or I'll do a road. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh let's do black and yellow. Yeah. Stylized road. So people are using it in their logos or using it in their, in their advertising. So it's the same thing over and over and over again. So in order to be different, we were thinking, well, you know, don't go to a truck. Yeah. Like, like stop thinking about trucks and think about what else yeah. So we went to people at the time, like years ago, because it was different. And we mm -hmm. said, well, our service is for people. So let's have people. Let's get away from the trucks. And this is, for me, it's a bit of a philo philosophical thing as well. That When we started in the industry, everybody was happy to talk about the equipment. They would talk all day and night about, um, about tires and brakes and all of this other stuff. But you start talking about the people and they have nothing to say. They don't, and they don't want to pay anything for anything. Well, they don't, they don't have a conversation. They don't have the language to have a conversation. They're not really thinking about it. So we wanted to really shift the focus on the people. Like the only thing they would say about the people is, oh, driver shortage. Such a driver shortage. <laughs> Oh, have you seen these new tires? Oh, what do you think about these super singles? They're a big deal. Oh, driver shortage. Well, let's solve the driver shortage. Let's start talking about the people. Let's start thinking about the people and serving them and not just sort of dump pictures of trucks and trailers on them, which are really just tools. 
So let's do something different. So that's why we said no trucks. The other thing is, is that I, you need to, when you have new graphic designers who are 99.9% nothing to do with the trucking industry, then you have to say no trucks because that's where they go. Yeah. Oh, it's the trucking industry. You do training for the trucking industry. Okay. I'll do a truck. No, don't do a truck. Do something else. Yeah. Give me a picture of training. Don't give me a picture yeah, of training. Yeah, exactly. That's a challenge. Is what is training? How do I draw a picture yeah, of training? Yeah, so you get a lot of people do, you know, pointing at things and stuff yeah. like that. But it's, you know, we try to be, and we come up with really good ideas. I think we come up with some really good ideas. Your, your no class uh, was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you had an, and then we had, then we had another campaign. We've had a bunch of different campaigns. Reimagine driver training where it was, you know, people outside or people not in. Yeah, get out of the classroom. Go and yeah, do it Yeah, like else. we're trying to think of things that give you a feeling about the promise of our product rather than here's what it looks like here is here are their features Mm -hmm. this is really really boring people are more inspired by a picture that makes them think of something else and i've always really really appreciated advertising that does that I'm, I'm a big fan of good advertising. So Super Bowl commercials, you know, the really good ones, like I, I will watch a whole whack of ads just to see what other people are doing. And advertising is getting lazy, man. There is some nasty, I'm going to say lottery ads and <laughs> casino ads. They're the worst. So much online gaming here where we oh are. Oh my God. Just so tired of it. But then you can turn on CNN and you can see all the pharmaceutical ads, which are also getting very stale, very boring. They're all exactly the same. It's all B-roll of happy people doing things. And some generic statement at the beginning, then they mention the drug name, which is a made up word. And then it is 45 seconds of disclaimers. And then at the end, ask your doctor. Yeah, on top of people doing... All these people living their best lives, but always with family. Like oh, yeah. They're always doing family things. So it's like people with their kids smiling with their kids that tells you that they're obviously not real parents. Sometimes with their family, with their friends. Some Occasionally with friends, uh, but they're doing, none of them are at work. There's a really good, there's a really, really good um, show on CBC radio that I happen to be listening to. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's about advertising. And the they were talking about the guy was talking about, I can't remember anything about it except it's about advertising. And he was talking about this great Shreddies campaign because Shreddies was, oh, uh, yeah. you remember that? I love that. Now I'll tell you why it stopped. Oh, you remember the episode? Yeah, go Don't ahead. you remember the actual thing? Yes. Okay. So the episode, they were talking about the Shreddies campaign because Shreddies was getting boring and they haven't changed, they haven't done anything and, you know, losing out to all of the fabulous chocolate-based cereals out there now. So what they decided to do, stroke of genius, is basically start advertising new diamond-shaped Shreddies (laughs) because Shreddies are square as you turn them on their side and then, oh, now they're diamonds. And they had taste tests things where people would try each type and and then favor the diamond shape and it was completely tongue-in-cheek it was not and like right up my alley like not serious at all and they actually tried to get neil well they did they did a deal with neil diamond (laughs) and he thought it was great so they were going to do neil diamond shaped shreddies and neil diamond was all in which is weird because he wasn't doing any advertising because Tyson because he didn't need to. 
And he also offered to have, like, if you, you know, an extra offer of Get Sweet Caroline. A <laughs> recording. Cool. Oh, no, it was a Canadian recording of Sweet Caroline that had not been previously mm. released. So this was in Canada and this wasn't, this didn't happen in the States. So they had been showing the diamond shaped Shreddies commercials. And I always thought yeah. that that was a really good idea. Like, that's a, a very good. And usually the, I can't remember the advertising agency, but they were saying that their parent company usually in the States didn't really say much about whether or not they could run the ads. They pretty much left them alone for the Canadian market because the U.S. and the Canadian market in advertising is different. So they tried this Neil Diamond thing and they, at the last minute, they decided to do a focus group. And apparently the focus group thought it was terrible, that thought that it was talking down to them and that, you know, how stupid that they think they were and that it was just a an insult. And then it just went away, which I find it so sad because it was a great campaign. Yeah. Focus groups don't lie, though. Yeah, but focus groups are, yeah, I suppose. It may not have been the right focus group. It may not have been big enough. It might have been very small sample size or the wrong people. Maybe it wasn't actually people that were buying their product. Uh, It's unfortunate. I thought it was fabulous, too. But at the same time, neither of us were buying Shreddies as a result of it. Um, I didn't notice it. And Shreddies, actually, the sales went up 18%. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't disliked by people. I think focus groups are a little bit, I understand why people do them, but I think if we had focus groups, if we had people like just sort of the general public telling us what to do, we wouldn't be where we are now. We would have already been told that Best Fleets would have been a, you know, don't do it. It's a bad idea. People are just going to get mad at you. Well, it's a little bit like that old Henry Ford thing that if you ask people what they want, they say faster horses. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, creativity can be a little bit dangerous. And we have had some people not like our ads every once in a while. <laughs> yes, there's been there's been a couple, but that's all right. When you go for it, you're going to have some people that don't like it. Yeah. But as long as they're not ignoring it, then you're in good shape. You just put a picture of a truck. And they're all happy. Yeah, they're all happy, but nobody's paying attention to you. Yeah. They're just... They don't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not what you wanted to talk about during this episode, did you? No, this is fine. Okay. I can talk about this stuff. Because right. now I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking about Shreddies and they can go back and have Shreddies Classic. They get a whole new campaign. <laughs> go back to the old days. Go back to your childhood and relive Shreddies Classic. Well, there was an episode from this particular show on the Coke and New Coke and what was going on behind the scenes. And it was, I think the same show was talking about when a big brand does something wrong and how you can recover because Tylenol was in there mm. as well. Because remember, it was in the Marketing 80s. disasters or whatever. No, it was in the 80s when... Ty- when Tylenol had that recall because of the point, poisoned uh, pills. Right. And which, which led to, if anybody doesn't remember, like the reason that you have the thing on top of every, or the, the pill bottle is hard to get off and you have the seals and you have all of these tamper-proof evidence things is because, directly because of Tylenol. That whole Tylenol issue where somebody was basically, I don't know what they were doing. Were they actually putting poison in? Uh, Something like that. They're tampering with the the product and yeah. So that completely changed. It's kind of like wearing your shoes in the airport or like when you get on going through security, whether you wear your shoes or not. That was all directly related to one incident with the shoe bomber. And but Tylenol, that was a huge that could have been the death of Tylenol, mm-hmm. but they came back and really kind of, 
I think they took they recalled a whole bunch of stuff. They they started the safety. I think safety lids were there before, but they went really stepped it up. Yeah, the shrink wrap bottles and seals and all of that stuff. Yeah, they've become sort of the classic business case of how to handle a, a crisis. Well, new Coke. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Classic Coke and New Coke. I mean, that's a, you don't even have to, for a lot of people, you don't have to say anymore. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that. It was a tragedy at the time. You remember when they did that and they said, okay, we're going to have a new, Coke is going to taste different. And we're like, what? Yep. Why are you doing that? And then proceeded to never buy new. I don't think I've ever bought, I never bought the new Coke. I just was you like, You would have bought no. some to try it. Everybody bought some to try it. Or I tried somebody else's, let somebody else buy it, and I'm not going to buy it. Then went back to the old, yeah. Well, that just kind of stopped me buying, like, stopped drinking soft drinks. So, yeah. Period. Well, there's that side of it is, like, how much soft drink are you buying? Some people buy a lot. We drink a lot of coffee, so. In the 80s, a lot of people were buying a lot of sodas. Yeah, not so much now. This is before you could get big gulps that were giant. Yeah. Four liters in one in one thing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit for the last few minutes and talk about the next big upcoming event that we have, and that is the convention. Mm-hmm. So the next episode, we will be finished with the Best Fleets convention. Sorry, I should rephrase that. The Best Fleets award presentation at the TCA convention. I'm just condensing all of yes. that. Best Fleets convention, because there's like a million things and the whole thing is the kind of the same swirl in my head. But uh, we are uh, getting ready. Uh, it's a little bit different this year because the award presentation is happening on Monday at noon, or I guess it's going to be closer to 1. Uh, it's going to actually be about 1 p.m. Um, that it happens. That will be Pacific time. So, oh no, that's Eastern again. Yeah, 1 p.m. Eastern is when the uh, roughly when the award presentation is going to happen because it's the last part of a luncheon. And also different this year is our reception for the winners is happening on a Sunday rather than on a Monday. So by the time the uh, Monday afternoon comes along, all of the craziness will be done for us. And all we'll have to do is stand at our booth in the exhibit hall, which is easy. So Or go hang out by the pool. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose we could. Uh, but uh, shaping up to be a, a good experience uh, or a good event, as it always is, uh, getting everybody there, getting the best fleets up on stage. Although I will have to say that the best fleets are irritating me this year because they won't tell us who's coming up on stage. Uh, we have like half of them that have not said one really? word about who's representing them there. So there's several that we've penciled in because we now have the pre-registration list for TCA and we can see that there's some of them that have only, they've only registered one person. So, okay, that's probably who's going up on stage. But for the rest of them, and if any of them are listening, tell us who's coming. You're driving me nuts with this. <laughs> we need to know. We need to know, first of all, are all of the fleets going to be represented? Uh, and is it somebody who has gone through this process before or is it somebody who's brand new and we're going to have to make sure that they kind of have an, an award buddy to uh, make sure they go up on stage and they know what they're doing and all of that kind of stuff? Oh, you know what happened? I Well, this is just going on the um, talking about having people on stage. Last year, we flipped. I think it wasn't an L. We flipped the, um, the script and we had the wrong people walk like the first person that walked out was not the right person i announced someone and it wasn't them really yeah because i i watched it because i gave a clip of the facebook um recording to uh leonard's express and i was watching it i was like oh my god 
that's not the right person because the I think Challenger came out second or I think it was Challenger first and it wasn't anyone from Challenger. It was somebody from the next one. And then the second one, I can't remember the second, the other company's name. I don't remember that. Well, the second person that came out was Challenger and it was not the right Hmm. name and no one said anything about it to me. I felt so bad. I didn't even register. A year later, I I realize it because I'm watching the, because I never watch the movie, never watch myself ever. Ever. And so like the first time I do, I see a horrendous error. So I apologize to whoever it was that came out without being announced. Started with a C. Who else started with a C? Chief? No. Uh, D.O.? Well, it w- if it was a large carrier. Maybe it was ACT. Continental? Oh, it was Continental. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. I ca- I mi- mixed up Challenger and Continental. Or it wasn't an alphabetical order. I, uh, so. Well. There you go. There's always something that's a, a bit of a mix-up, and I expect there will be something this year as well. We don't know what it will be, but something will go wrong. Yes, something will go wrong. But we'll have to see what happens. Uh, we finally got the uh, the proofs for the plaques and the trophies and all of that stuff, and so those should be in production and should be ready soon. And our results book is nearly finished. Uh, I have edits to do today, and then it will be going off to the printer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. And it's gorgeous this year. The biggest one ever, 28 pages that we've done uh, because we've got pictures from past years. So building on what we talked about in the last episode about the, the cover and incorporating all the photos from past years, we've put those in a section at the back as well to show some of the other pictures. Uh, so it's uh, going to be nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, I think that... Wraps it up. Bring us to the end for this episode. Sounds good. And thanks everybody for listening. Have a good day. 